2: Let's see. You know, this is such an important format. It really is. That uh, I'm not going to get on here and race through 15 subjects that are on websites or on the Internet or on cable news. You know, there are one, two, three that are probably worth talking about, but I just just can't can't do it. I can't listen to it. I tried today because I didn't have a TV uh, in the morning and so forth, so I, I'm listening throughout the country, and I'm listening. And people are racing through this, this one, and we got this one, and we get, whoa, 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 slow down, man. You know, in the olden days of radio, and I'm not saying those were the great golden days, I'm just saying in the olden days of radio, people took a little bit more time. Now, I take a little bit more time not because it's the olden days of radio, but because I don't understand why I should speed through 14 different subjects you already heard about for the last 48 hours. Doesn't mean I won't discuss some of them, but, you know, you've got to add value to it. You can, in other words, what's the point? Now, we've been talking about the media, and I don't just mean to hit them over the head. We've been talking about it in a very substantive way at least here we have and that is they create their own reality and in this case it's a progressive reality and they push it out as news now I've been talking about this for quite some time and as you know people have different hobbies my hobby is reading researching it's what I like to do it's what I like to do. I came across a book called The Image. The book is 55, 56 years old. It was published in 1962. Its author was Daniel Borston. He's since passed. He was a historian, very accomplished man. He was in charge of the Library of Congress for some time. Before that, he was uh, a professor. When he was a very young man for one year, from 1938 to thirty-nine, he was a communist. And then as World War II went on and he saw what the communists were doing, he rejected communism completely. And shortly thereafter, he became a conservative. Now, there's all kinds of conservatives, but fundamentally a conservative. He wrote a number of books, but he wrote this book, The Image. And here's the subtitle, A Guide to Pseudo-Events in America. I said, this son of a gun, he hit the nail on the head. Now, if I were your typical columnist, TV host radio host. I wouldn't tell you about this man. I would steal his ideas and regurgitate them. But I can't function that way. I just can't. But I want us to take a little bit of time to understand what he was trying to convey. And he did very effectively because back then, 1962, this was considered quite the cutting-edge book. But it is completely relevant to today. In fact, more so, given the nature of corporate mass media. In Chapter 1, he, his title is, From News Gathering to News Making, A Flood of Pseudo-Events. Does that not sum it all up? Does that not sum it all up? A Flood of Pseudo-Events. Just think about it. Think about it. Stormy Daniels, now this particular immigration issue, which has been around a long time, um it, it is we are surrounded by these pseudo events. And here's what he says in part. Obviously I can't read the whole book, but there's sections I want you to hear. He says in the last half century, now remember the book is over fifty years old, in the last half century, a larger and larger proportion of our experience of what we read and see and hear has come to consist of pseudo events. We expect more of them, and we are given more of them. They flood our consciousness. Their multiplication has gone on in the United States at a faster rate than elsewhere. Even the rate of increase is increasing every day. This is true of the world of education, of consumption, and of personal relations. It is especially true of the world of public affairs. A full explanation of the origin and rise of pseudo-events would be nothing less than a history of modern America. And during the course of the book, he focuses particularly on the media. He says, uh, and I'm skipping around as I must, he says, then came round-the-clock media. The news gap, again, this is almost 60 years ago, over 50 years ago. The news gap soon became so narrow that in order to have additional news, quote-unquote, for each new edition or each new broadcast, it was necessary to plan in advance the stages by which any available news would be unveiled. After the weekly and the daily came the extras and the numerous regular editions of newspapers. The Philadelphia Evening Bulletin, which has gone by now, by the way, soon had seven editions a day, no rest for the newsman. With more space to fill, he had to fill it ever more quickly. In order to justify the numerous additions, it was increasingly necessary that the news constantly change, or at least seem to change. With the radio on the air continuously during waking hours, the reporters' problems became still more acute, and keep in mind cable news in particular. News every hour on the hour, and sometimes on the half hour. Programs interrupted any time for special bulletins. How to avoid deadly repetition, the appearance that nothing was happening. The news gatherers, well, they were asleep, or that the competitors were more alert. As the costs of printing and then of broadcasting increased, it became financially necessary to keep the presses always at work and the TV screen always busy. Pressures toward the making of pseudo-events became ever stronger. News gathering turned into news-making. News gathering turned into news making. Later on, he says, in many subtle ways, the rise of pseudo events has mixed up our roles as actors and as audience. Or the philosophers would say as object and as subject. Now we can oscillate between the two roles. Fascinating. New forms of pseudo-events, especially in the world of politics, thus offer a new kind of bewilderment to both politician and newsman. Is that not true? Pseudo-events spawn other pseudo-events in geometric progression. This is partly because every kind of pseudo-event being planned tends to become ritualized with a protocol and a rigidity all its own. As each type of pseudo-event acquires this rigidity pressures arise to produce other derivative forms of pseudo-events which are more fluid, more tantalizing, more interestingly ambiguous. Thus, as the press conference, as an example, a press conference, itself a pseudo-event, became formalized, there grew up the institutionalized leak. As the leak becomes formalized, still other devices will appear. In other words, individuals in and out of government leaking to the media to get their messages across to push their advantage, to position themselves, to advance an ideology. Pseudo-events. Of course, the shrewd politician or the enterprising newsman knows this and knows how to take advantage of it. That is the leak. Seldom for outright deception. More often simply to make more news, to provide more information, or to improve communication. In a totalitarian society, where people are flooded by purposeful lies. The real facts are, of course, misrepresented. But the representation itself is not ambiguous. The propaganda lie is asserted as if it were true. Its object is to lead people to believe that the truth is simpler, more intelligible than it really is. The masses, with their inertia, always need a certain time before they are ready even to notice a thing, they will lend their memories only to the thousandfold repetition of the most simple ideas. This he's quoting uh, uh, the the fascists, or he's he's, he's uh, portraying the fascists. But in our society, pseudo events make simple facts seem more subtle, more ambiguous, more speculative than they really are. Propaganda oversimplifies experience; pseudo events overcomplicate it. In a democratic society like ours, and more especially in a high-literate, wealthy, competitive, and technologically advanced society, the people can be flooded by pseudo-events. For us, freedom of speech and of the press and of broadcasting includes freedom to create pseudo-events. Competing competitions, competing newsmen, and competing news media contest in this creation. They vie with one another in offering attractive Supposedly informative accounts and images of the world They are free to speculate on the facts To bring new facts into being To demand answers to their own contrived questions Our so-called free marketplace of ideas Is a place where people are confronted by competing pseudo-events And are allowed to judge among them When we speak of informing the people This is what we really mean Now I want you to contemplate this during the break I want you to digest this during the break is this not what we are confronting today in America with the news media pseudo event on top of pseudo event presented as news coming at us so quickly driving the ideological left is that not fundamentally what's taking place in this country in the so called news business I would argue that it absolutely is 56 years ago and today for sure we'll be right back
0: Mark Lovin
2: Now what are some of these elements of these pseudo events and you know what we're going to coin a phrase together borrow part of it from the late doctor, Professor Daniel Boorstin. He used pseudo-events. We will call it pseudo-media. And they're pseudo-reporters. Now you see why I've been saying all this time they don't protect freedom of the press. They abuse it. So that's what we're talking about now. Pseudo-events, but really the, the, the most... Uh, practiced among those who advance this are in the media. Some of the elements, pseudo-events are more dramatic. A television debate between candidates can be planned to be more suspenseful. For example, by reserving questions which are then popped suddenly. Then a casual encounter, consecutive formal speeches planned by each separately. By the way, he writes about presidential press conferences. How reporters can ask questions in a way, or the, the nature of the question, where that becomes the news, the reporter, and the question. And we see that all the time in these press conferences with the likes of Jim Acosta and so forth. He is a pseudo-reporter. That is a pseudo-event. Pseudo-events being planned for dissemination are easier to disseminate and to make vivid, like the border. Participants are selected for their newsworthy and dramatic interest. Now, you've seen that all week. You've seen that all week with some of the phony pictures and some of the phony stories and some of the real stories. Pseudo events can be repeated at will, and thus their impression can be reinforced. That we call propaganda, folks. Pseudo events being planned for intelligibility are more intelligible and hence more reassuring, even if we cannot discuss intelligently the qualifications of, for example, the candidates or a complicated issue, we can at least judge the effectiveness of a television performance. Knowledge of pseudo-events, that is, of what has been reported or what has been staged and, and how, becomes the test of being informed. News magazines provide us regularly with quiz questions concerning not what has happened, but concerning names in the news as an example. What has been reported in the news magazines? Pseudo events begin to provide that common discourse, which some of my old fashioned frenzy writes have hoped to find in the great books. Pseudo events spawn other pseudo events in geometric progression. They dominate our consciousness simply because they are, there are more of them and ever more. Now, I've thrown a lot out there. But the goal is to get us to think. To look at the substance of what he says. I happen to agree with it. I happen to agree that he is defined, and and the book is, is much more thorough and comprehensive, but has he not defined CNN, MSNBC? Has he not defined the marriage among ideological progressives, whether they be elected, appointed, whether they be on television, radio, whether they're writing columns, whomever they are, wherever they are, the staging of events? Has he not effectively described rules for radicals and Saw Linsky? And as he called them pseudo events, I've been calling it the the unreality that's been created by the left. It's the same concept. It's the same concept that we live in the world of the progressive who tells us what the news is, even though it's not news, who decides what to focus on, decides what to omit. And then when you call the media out on this, when they're particularly aggressive in what they're doing and particularly partisan and ideological in what they're doing, you are attacked because you – the pseudo reporters argue are attacking freedom of the press you're threatening freedom of the press when in fact you're not threatening freedom of the press at all they're abusing it you're pointing it out and they are not news people at all they're not news people at all most of the people who self-identify as newsmen and newswomen as journalists and reporters are not They're not. They're pseudo journalists, pseudo reporters, pseudo newsmen. Not all, but the vast majority. The profession has declined considerably. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin, America's Tyranny Hunter. Call in now, eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. 381 3811 Forsten says, once we have tasted the charm
2: of pseudo-events, we are tempted to believe they are the only important events. Our progress poisons the sources of our experience, and the poison tastes so sweet that it spoils our appetite for plain fact. Our seeming ability to satisfy our exaggerated expectations makes us forget that they are, in fact, exaggerated. A clue to the new unreality of of the citizen's world is the perverse new meaning now given to the word leak. Remember, this is 56 years ago. To leak, according to the dictionary, is to let a fluid substance out or in accidentally as the ship leaks. But nowadays, a news leak is one of the most elaborately planned ways of emitting information. It is, of course, a way in which a government official with some clearly defined purpose, a leak even more than a direct announcement, is apt to have some definite, devious purpose behind it, makes an announcement, asks a question, or puts a suggestion. It might more accurately be called a sub rosa announcement, an indirect statement, or cloaked news. The news leak is a pseudo-event par excellence. It is, in its origin and growth, the leak illustrates another axiom of the world of pseudo-events. Pseudo-events produce more pseudo-events. And with the elaboration of news-gathering facilities in Washington, of regular planned press conferences, of prepared statements for future release, and of countless other practices, the news protocol has hardened. Both government officials and reporters have felt the need for more flexible and more ambiguous modes of communication between them. And so he says... They turn to the pseudo-events. To influence, if not control, the real events. And the understanding of reality. This is pretty heavy stuff. What do you make of all this? Chris Baltimore, Maryland. Listening on WMAL. Go ahead, WMAL, sir. Go ahead.
3: Mark, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking my call. Um, you bet. How prescient was this guy? Fifty-six years ago. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, if not for conservative talk radio and alternative media sources, imagine where the society yes, would be I today. I am uh, uh, on, on a fast
2: track, desperately to uh, get my headphones to work. So I would ask the caller to continue as
3: I mess with this. All right. Uh, yeah, Mark. So what I was saying was, I mean, imagine where we would be uh, okay. with, 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 without alternative media sources or conservative talk radio. We'd be, we'd be, we'd be. Well, far- well, this is this is
2: part of the problem, though, isn't it? Even though we have alternative uh, news sources and so forth, uh, if they're simply going to repeat what the pseudo media say and react to the pseudo media, not for the purpose of determining. Right from wrong and fact from fiction. But to fill time, then we're no better than them, are we? No, so we we're need not. to be very and careful
3: about it, don't we? We do. And you really have to be selective about where you get your information from. And it just takes work. And I think that's part of the problem. The media knows this. They know that uh, we're in a society where we're trying to raise our families, we're trying to work, make ends meet. And it's hard to stay informed. And uh, if, if they just get you following, you know, Following the bouncing ball of all these distractions, um, I can see it um, really contributing to what overall the progressives want to do. And you, you I, I mean, as an example, there are real world things
2: going on out there, real dangers we face. Uh, China is is its military advances are unbelievable in terms of its technological might, which it stole from us. Look what Russia's up to. We've been talking about North Korea, and now what are we talking about? We're talking about what the pseudo-reporters want us to talk about, want us to think about. So day in and day out, it's that we have the equivalent of Nazi concentration camps and Japanese internment camps, that we are a horrible people and a horrible country, and we need open borders, driving the left's agenda, driving the progressives' agenda. So I would take it one step beyond Borston that it's not only pseudo-events These are pseudo-events that have as their purpose to advance the cause of progressivism. I would add that chunk to it, and that's a big chunk, and it's a necessary chunk. Uh, All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. A great affiliate in Baltimore is WCBM. We're uh, very, very pleased to be there. Joe, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, Sirius XM,
1: go. Oh, Oh, my goodness. The great one, Mark. Levin. Thank you,
2: thank sir. Thank you.
1: It's first-time caller. man. Thank oh, you. I love you. I, thank you for being there, sir.
2: I appreciate I it. I've
1: been to your uh, great call taker, Rich, and uh, what a good guy. You know, yep. Just like you. <laughs> and uh, I said to him, uh, Mark, um, I, I want to call you Mr. Woodman. I'm sorry. No, I, no. I don't know call anything. me, Mark, and so go for respect, it, baby. I have so much respect for you, sir. That's um, all right. I got to tell you. I'm 66 years old. I, I've been around, and, and uh, I can get depressed just like everybody else. So I see what's going on. It always seems like, oh, we're losing, we're losing, we're losing. And then in the last 24 hours, and, and a lot of it has to do with listening to folks like you, it always seemed to be, you're, you're there. I mean, it's just so good that you're there. And, and of course, my, my, my unshakable faith in the good Lord, that I know that we're winning. And we're, we're winning because... You know, these these scoundrels, these, these just evil, ugly people that are there, they're Marxists, if we want to be honest, let's call them what they are. They're just Marxists. Mm-hmm. They're just godless folks that just want to They uh, have no appreciation for this.
2: Yeah, country. where are we going with All
1: this? System. All right, let me get to the point. Yes. We have to be optimistic. We have to know that we're winning because they're exposed now. If, if Trump is the catalyst, and I think he is, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to know we are winning. We're, we're, they're, they're out in the open now. They're so ridiculous. They're so absurd. Well,
2: listen, if you mean by winning that Trump has successfully exposed them, I agree, but I don't think we're winning. I think they control most of the college campuses. They control most of the media. They control most of the movie houses in Hollywood. They control most of our governing institutions. We are on defense. I think we have to recognize that, understand it's a daunting task, but also understand it is surmountable. There's still time left. We're, a, we're an army of tens of millions of people. I've been thinking about this overnight because I wasn't really happy with last night's show, to be perfectly honest with you. I wasn't happy with myself. I wasn't happy with the show. Uh, I'm not making any excuses. There was some breaking news in the first hour. It just knocked me off my game. And that's okay. Uh, but I'm focused again. And my point to you folks is this. We have to know where we stand. We have to know where we stand. And where we stand is in a very difficult place. But we also need to know that there's tens of millions of people who share our principles, who share our views. They voted for Donald Trump. In the past, they voted for Ronald Reagan. It is we who are underrepresented in this government. It is we who are underrepresented in the parts of government that don't care if you're represented or not, like the courts and the bureaucracy and so forth. But it is we who have to use ideas, who have to use free speech, who have to call out the so-called press. It is we who have to be resolute, because if we're not, nobody else will be. Now, Joe, I understand you're an ex-cop, and I want to thank you, my friend. Thank you. And, And you take care of yourself. Bucks County. Man, it's been like 10, 15 years since I've been there, but it's a beautiful county. Beautiful county. Donna Frederick, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Hello,
4: Mark. I just want to thank you for basically defining the term fake media, which we all refer to so affectionately. And that book, what an incredible read. And you did a wonderful job articulating that for us. And I don't know where we'd be if we didn't have um, you all these years and, and your fellow talk show hosts that, that pull these things and extrapolate them for us and define them for us because we're supposed to live in a free society. And uh, so much of what you Honestly,
2: said, I wish more of them would do that because what, I, what I'm trying to do now is bang the pots and pans and say we cannot become in the alternative media— the free media, conservative talk radio, conservatives on the web and on the internet, conservatives on Fox and on other networks. We cannot become them. In other words, it's not good enough just to take what they throw at us and embrace it. I don't mean support it and then spend three hours talking about it. I don't disagree that we have to talk about it we need to confront it we need to unravel it got it but we need to do more than that one of the things we complain about with republicans is they do not explain our principles is they do not explain the constitution Is they do not explain liberty they do not explain capitalism and private property rights and all the rest of it and they don't and if we don't do it people like me It's not going to get done, because it's not done on our college campuses and our history classes. It's just not. And so we've got to make better use of this format. We've got to make better use of this platform. We've got to make better use of our time. That's just my humble opinion.
4: And I agree with you wholeheartedly, Mark, and thanks again. And and you know what? Uh, I agree with you, especially this week. Because we really need to be talking about the IG report way more than being on the defensive with immigration. Or
2: if we're going to talk about, as an example, this immigration issue. Why don't we point out, as I did on Hannity last night, and there are other arguments you can make. They want to talk about Japanese internment camps, Stana? Let's talk about them. Who set them up? Franklin Roosevelt. Who funded them? The Democrat Congress. Who upheld them as constitutional, for crying out loud? The packed Roosevelt Supreme Court. Those Japanese internment camps are in the hands of the Democrat Party. And we need to talk about that. That's called history. They give us opportunities to unravel what they're doing. And we ought to do it. What I'm saying is, do it the right way. All right, Donna, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. Love in. A friend of mine writes me. Um, uh, you know, those were American citizens. Those Japanese who were interred. Actually, that's not correct. Some were, some were not. There were Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent. It didn't matter. They were rounded up and they were removed. So I do give the point, yes, that there were American citizens too, but that's not the point, the overall point. You want to talk about internment camps? The only political party in this country to create internment camps, and I mean create internment camps, was the Democrat Party. It was supported by the Democrat Party, it was funded by the Democrat Party, and their judges upheld it. I believe it, off the top of my head, it was a military order, 9066, something like that, issued by FDR. He may have issued it to Curtis LeMay, as a matter of fact. I'm doing this by memory. So, uh, and interesting, every time the Democrats bring this up, not a single reporter reminds them of that. Not one. As high schoolers graduate... Are they heading to places where they'll learn why America is the world's freest nation? That we're the first country founded on the principle that all men are created equal? Will they be taught the Constitution, our rich history, or what makes America great? There's a place where students study these truths. It's called Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students study what is true, good, and beautiful. And by putting in the work to understand these things, students graduate ready to lead. As Vice President Prince Pence said at the commencement this year, Hillsdale students learn not what to do, but what to be. Hillsdale also offers its stellar education to you. And through Primus and free online courses like Constitution one hundred one, every American can learn like Hill- a Hillsdale student, and by the way, from the same professors. Most remarkably of all, Hillsdale provides this service to our nation without taking a single penny of taxpayer money, not a single penny. Encourage you to learn how Hillsdale can serve you at a website just for you, my listeners. Levin for com. L E V I N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for com. President of the United States has been really on the mark, hasn't he? Pseudo events. Pseudo events news organizations, pseudo-reporters. He calls it fake news. And he's right. And he's been right. I'm just adding a little bit more to it, but he's he's been right. It's fake news. It's a concoction. It's a fabrication. Not in every instance, obviously, but in many instances. And he's personally experiencing it. We are personally experiencing it. And the reason I wanted to point out Daniel J. Borston, doctor, professor, former secretary of the Library of Congress for quite a long time, a celebrated historian, as a matter of fact, is because he called this a long time ago he adds a lot of intellectual and scholarly substance to it. And in doing so, he posthumously backs up what the President of the United States has been saying. Now, when you watch these people on TV, or listen to them, or read what they have to say, they're becoming more and more extreme. Less and less news, more and more pseudo if you will less and less news more and more pseudo it tells you something when you really can't tell the difference between a Stephen Colbert and a Jake Tapper or Jimmy Kimmel and a Wolf Blitzer tells you something doesn't it how these events are are pushed into the culture How they're manipulated, how you can't tell the difference between actual news and supposed comedy and the people who deliver both. That's true. I'll give you an example. There's a guy by the name of Donnie Douche. Donnie Douche is on The Morning Joe. I want you to hear what Donnie Douche has to say on the morning, Joe. He said it today. Cut four.
5: Go. What has to happen now, this can no longer be about who Trump is. It has to be about who we are. If we are working towards November, we can no longer say Trump's the bad guy. If you vote for Trump you're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. If you vote for Trump, all- you are ripping children from parents. arms. You, the mistake that we've made in the past is look at that bad guy over there, look at that bad guy. What the Democrats have to do is make the next election a referendum on not who Trump is, but who you are. And we all that that's the big difference. You can no longer now as a voter because it's now not about taxes, it's it's not even about some abstract term of immigration or or nationalism. If you vote for Trump, then you, the voter, you, not Donald Trump, are standing at the border like Nazis going, you here, you here. And I think we now have to flip it. And it's a given the evilness of Donald Trump. But if you vote, you can no longer separate yourself. You can't say, well, he's okay."
2: But now, if you're like me, you want to put your fist through my microphone right now. Because you know what a lying scumbag this guy is. Excuse my French. This is a news network, MSNBC. MSNBC. You get the point. Absolute fake. Absolute pseudo news. Propaganda operation. I'll be right back. That was Donnie Deutsch. Douche. I mean.
0: Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
2: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. If you're still here or just joining us, pat yourself in the back. You're the smartest people in radio land. In fact, you're the smartest people in the land, period. Now, let us continue, because there's more. The image, a guide to pseudo-events in America by Daniel Borston 56 years ago. Even more applicable today than then. For those of you who just joined us, you can listen to the first hour on our radio rewind when we get off the air here. By the way, a couple of housekeeping matters. I will be on Trupathon, the Trupathon event, shortly after this program ends. Mr. Bruce, can you put the link up, please, on my social sites and also let me know what it is later so I can announce it on the air. I hope I hope the folks will join us uh, because this is an annual event. this is their big fundraising event, and I want to help them as much as we can. It's Troopathon.org. It's that simple. Troopathon.org. Please check it out. Please write it down. Troopathon.org. Also, I have a very big program Sunday, 10 p.m. on the Fox News Channel on Life, Liberty, and Levin. We're going to tackle the issue of trade, private property rights, money, money in your pockets, so we're going to take this very complicated subject and lay it out over the course of an hour. So I really hope you'll join us. I have a wonderful guest, and I think Dr. Mark Perry, Professor Perry. And I think together we're going to learn a great deal. And you may not agree with what somebody says, but at least you'll, you'll know that you walked away from it with some substance. So I hope you'll check us out. We're taking on this big issue of trade. Uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Pacific time on the Fox News Channel on Life, Liberty, and Levin. The following week, I have a very special guest, and I'll tell you about that next week. I also want to thank all of those of you who watch. This isn't a show for stupid people, and yet I don't want to do a show. That is like all the other shows. I just don't want to do it. a conga line of guests and so forth and so on. So it's the kind of show that ought to be on the air on Fox at the end of Sunday night before you're, you're heading off to work on Monday. It's different than all the rest. I don't pump up the show with a bunch of guests. I don't pump them up with provocative guests. I don't do that sort of thing. We have a conversation like we're having right now. The Image, A Guide to Pseudo-Events in America. It just is a terrific book. In Chapter 5, and there aren't many chapters in this book, so that's near the end of the book. Borston says, Tempted, like no generation before us, to believe we can fabricate our experience, our news, our celebrities, our adventures, our art forms, We finally believe we can make the very yardstick by which all these are to be measured. That we can make our very ideals. This is the climax of our extravagant expectations. It is expressed in a universal shift in our American way of speaking from talk about ideals to talk about images. Says the look at our declaration. The laws of nature and nature's God, it's in the Constitution, governed our orderly universe. For neither God nor man was the world wholly plastic. But more recently, just as adventure has become a name for the unexpectedness we plan for ourselves, or pay ourselves to plan for, so we have emptied the word value. We've moved away from a traditional meaning found in older dictionaries. Value equals ethics, that which is worthy of esteem for its own sake, that which has intrinsic worth toward a newer and modern American meaning, value in sociology, in acts, in customs, in institutions, etc., regarded in a particular, especially favorable way by a people, an ethnic group, and so forth. So our new social scientists speak of values all the time. By it, they mean the peculiar standards which a society has made for itself. By it, they reassure us that we need not worry over the dissolution of ancient ideals, since all ideals are now obsolete. The most civilized peoples, in fact, are to be those who know they are guided by values of their own making. This is why I take it to the next step. He doesn't say this, but I'll say it. He's talking about progressivism. Yet for most of our history, we have believed ourselves a nation guided by ideals. Ideals given to us by tradition, by reason, or by God. In 19th century America, the most extreme modernism held that man was made by his environment. In 20th century America... Without abandoning belief that we are made by our environment, we also believe our environment can be made almost wholly by us. This is the appealing contradiction at the heart of our passion for pseudo-events, for made news, synthetic heroes, prefabricated tourist attractions, homogenized interchangeable forms of art and literature, where there are no originals, but only the shadows we make of our other shadows. We believe we can fill our experience with newfangled content. Almost everything we see and hear and do persuades us that this power is ours. The life in America, which I have described, he writes, is a spectacular sport in which we ourselves make the props and are the sole performers. But to what end? How surprising if men who make their environment and fill experience with whatever they please cannot also make their God God himself becomes a pseudo-event with all the familiar characteristics. And they go on. Or he goes on, and he's quite right, isn't he? Is he not describing, although he is not pointing this out, and I will again for the third time, is he not describing the ideology of the progressive? Remaking man, remaking society, Rejecting history, rejecting Aristotle, rejecting Cicero, rejecting the Founding Fathers, rejecting the Enlightenment. Because they have all kinds of plans and programs and, and ideologies that they seek to impose on us. History and experience is only relevant to the extent they can use it to advance their ideology. It's not really there to learn from. It's to be manipulated, a rejected wholesale. And then back to the media. The fake media, as the president calls it. I should say them, it's plural, the fake media. And he's right about most of the media, with pseudo-events. For an entire week, the entire nation has been focused on a pseudo-event. There's much more horrific things, activities going on in our country and other countries than the pseudo-event that we've been focused on for the last week, because this pseudo-event drives the politics of the progressives, serves the purpose of the media, the propagandists, for elected and appointed progressives. The Democrats don't want to, quote-unquote, fix this. And here's the reality. Not the pseudo-reality, the reality. The fact of the matter is, there's no easy way to do this. When foreigners come into this country, and they do so lawlessly, when they put their lives on the line and the lives of their children on the line, assuming they are the parents... those are their children just for argument's sake. And it's dropped into the lap of a society that has certain rules and requirements for people to come into this country. It can never be a perfect system. It can never be a very perfect system or an almost perfect system. Because what triggers all this is not you and me, it's not our country, it's not our culture. It is the foreigner who seeks to violate our law and it is the government, in this case, Congress, and specifically the Democrats and enough Republicans who refuse to secure the nation's sovereignty. We do not have concentration camps in this country. That is a lie a pseudo-lie, a pseudo-event, I should say. We used to have internment camps in this country when FDR set them up and the Democrats supported them. We do not have internment camps anymore. When kooks on TV and radio and on the Internet and shortwave radio used to talk about FEMA and their concentration camps, they were quickly dismissed. But now, when the pseudo-media and the Democrats and Laura Bush talk about internment camps, we're supposed to take that very, very seriously. See, these are all concoctions. They're all fabrications. The fact of illegal immigration and the difficulty it poses, that's a reality. But that's not what we're discussing. We're discussing something that's fake. Concentration camps, internment camps, the purposeful and widespread abuse of little kids who come from foreign countries, that's not who we are, that's not what we're doing. And yet that's been the news, the pseudo-news, pseudo-events. For more than a week, actually. And this is the progressive mentality to create fictions. Their ideology is a fiction. If you want to know the truth, they cannot create paradise. They cannot create a more perfect union. They cannot create a nation where everybody is absolutely equal, where their income is equal, where there's no poor and no rich. They cannot create a society of advanced egalitarian notions and so forth and so on. What you get is a police state. And push too hard, you get genocide, like you're seeing right now in Venezuela. I'll be right back.
0: Mark in.
2: You're in the business of promoting pseudo-events through pseudo-news. Facts don't matter. They don't matter. And so when you're confronted with facts such as, well, you know, these photos you're using were actually when Obama was president. Well, that doesn't matter. Or, you know, Obama also segregated kids. That doesn't matter. You know, they have a 100% uh, enforcement here. Well, you know, we don't actually have internment kids. Well, that, that, that doesn't matter. Because you're pushing a lie. And so facts are to be rejected. You're calling it news, and then they they invoke the Rolinsky, like this uh, what was that guy Deutsch's what's his name Danny douche he uh, like him, now you start trashing everybody who disagrees with you, every single human being who votes for Trump. they trash Trump, they trash his family, now you got to trash the voters. Now you got to trash the voters, Robert, Dallas, Texas, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir?
6: Hello, sir. Fantastic. How are you?
2: Very well, thank you.
6: Thank you for taking my call. I, uh, I well, I when you brought up this book, I kind of caught your show a few minutes late and uh, wanted to mention I'm a I'm a professional broadcast meteorologist with degrees in both meteorology, climatology, and uh, they go hand in hand, but they're obviously distinct. But more to your point, I'm uh, beginning a Ph.D. program in communications, actually, which is something a little out of my arena, at least academically. And as part of the, part of the uh, Ph.D. program, I'll be teaching um, classes, and rumor has it that I'll be teaching some sort of media ethics class. And to be frank, I've never taught a class in my life, but as a professional broadcaster, I'm always informing the public regarding weather. And so I very much thank you, um appreciate you bringing this book to my attention because I think it's something that, at least once I read it, that I may be able to incorporate into my curriculum. And I'm a young guy, but I've been a professional broadcaster for several years, and even I can see how little education so many journalists through my career have obtained through their studies. Journalists who can't pronounce the names of, I mean local journalists, who can't pronounce the name of world leaders or who call Mississippi a landmass between Louisiana and Alabama. But I I, I digress. But I want to thank you for bringing this book to my Attention! If really all you do, radio show, live TV, your books, I consider you kind of my real undergraduate advisor anyway, while concurrently studying meteorology. So, so thank you're you. You're very for kind, of my Robert. Attention.
2: Thank you. And the book is thank you very much and good luck with the course. Thank you for what you're doing. The book is "The Image: A Guide to Pseudo Events in America." Daniel J. Borston. Um, very very important book as far as I'm concerned. Just finished it last night. And the and the coincidence there is we've been talking about this. And this just adds a lot of, a lot of uh, meat to the bones here. It just does. Bob, Baltimore, Maryland, the great
7: WCBM, go. Mark, calling yes, you sir. about uh, how, how the narrative in, in media slants everything. And the editor, I was a newspaper reporter for over 20 years, worked mm-hmm. in the D.C. area. I can tell you that I've had many a story killed, so many stories killed, that, uh, and it, I'm going back 10, 12 years, they started killing stories about illegal aliens. What I would report, uh, we had uh, a base realignment, a military base realignment, and I did an article on that, and, and I did some research and talked to some experts, and they said it would act as a magnet to bring tremendous amount of illegal aliens into the area. And when I put that in the article... They called me in the office. The editor says, we can't run that. I said, why? He said, well, people will think you're a racist. Mm-hmm. Me, well, you not say me. They'll think the paper is a racist. Mm-hmm. In reality, though, uh, the people that really own the paper used a lot of illegal alien uh, labor. So it's, it's, it's pervasive. They won't yeah. cover stories. I used to cover affirmative action, and the narrative was you've got to show how this minority never had a break. He was failing in the real world, but because of this program now he's a multimillionaire. And Mm -hmm. what I found was the exact opposite. I found that many of these people were bankrupt. they were given contracts at above market rates. In other words, they were giving higher bids than the average person that wanted to contract it. They were, they were cut out and they Mm -hmm. were given these, these contracts. And then when they screwed up the contract, and I'm not saying that always happened, there were people that would be on the sidelines that would straighten it out, and they were really keeping things going. And it ended up costing the taxpayer probably twice what it should have cost. Mm. And this was an everyday occurrence. And when I try to report on it, can't do it. story's dead.
2: All right, Bob, I appreciate you sharing that with us very, very much. We're going to continue with this. When I return.
1: Where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811.
2: I wanted to let all of the fans of Levin TV out there know about a special offer we have going on right now. We wanted to make it a little bit easier for all our subscribers and all who aren't subscribing right now. That is our biggest fans to get the best pricing possible on Levin TV and the rest of the wonderful shows on our conservative network. Conservative Review TV, that's CRTV. So we came up with our best offer yet. Now you can get a three year subscription to CRTV for only $199. That's Only $5.53 a month. Now, if you've been a fan of the show for a while now, you know we're in this for the long haul. We hope you will be too. There's no other place online where you'll get the truth, unfiltered and uncensored. Give us a call right now at 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-LEVIN-TV. I I know the government's closed. We're open. And mention this ad to get three years of CRTV for only what amounts to $5.53 a month. Setup is quick. It's easy. You'll be ready to watch in five minutes. You'll tell us what kind of devices, computers, TV you have, and we're off to the races. Five minutes. So give us a call, 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV, and we'll get you set up immediately. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. All right. Let us continue here. Uh, let us go to uh, Chris in Eureka, California, the great KINS. Go.
4: Mark, uh, I really enjoyed your show last night. I heard you beating yourself up about it a little bit. You weren't happy with you. But I, I'm, uh, I'm sorry that you have to deal with all this swill. This is so far beneath a man of your intellectual stature and accomplishments. You do great. Don't, yeah, don't ever think so we we love you out here thank you and and as far as this, the pseudo the pseudo intellectuals the pseudo democrats i i call i also call them the fake democrats i mean they hostily took over basically the democratic party you know the, mm-hmm. you know i understand that you have your issues with the democratic party but at the same time this is not the democratic party that they don't have anything to do with the middle class, and they haven't for, you know, 30 years. Every time they say all this stuff, every time they get in power, the only thing they do is gut the middle class. That's all they've done. Well,
2: you make an excellent point.
4: You know? and,
2: and you, uh, they, you make an excellent point. They are the 1960s retreads and their uh, and their offspring.
4: That's correct. That's correct. The, the, you know, the values. And, and and let me tell you something, too. The, one of the big problems with, this, the robbing of our liberties and our freedoms in this country is, is that, you know, when you're young and, and impetuous and oh, all this doing all that crazy stuff, that's all fine and dandy, and then you get a little political whiff. Well, let me tell you, a lot, a lot of young kids start off as socialists or that whole mind thought until they get their own money. And The, the, pro- the
2: problem is, Chris, a lot of these adults in positions of power Call it grow up or not grow up. Uh, they have not changed, and uh, I think the the progressive left is very good at seizing power. They're very good. They they want to get. They want to teach in our universities. They want to be actors in Hollywood. They they want to be politicians in Washington. They want to work for agencies and departments in Washington. In other words, power is what drives them, and power is not what drives everybody. But it uniquely drives the progressive, because they have to have power in order to advance their ideology. It's not, a, it's not a natural, rational ideology. It's one that has to be imposed on people.
4: Exactly. That's the, the nature of the control. The positions that they've always strived for in our society are relative to controlling other people, their liberties, their freedoms. You know, telling them, telling them things other than what it is you know, like you said, the whole pseudo thing. I mean, you know, I've been calling them the pseudo-intellectuals for years. I mean, I know that they're deceptive and dishonest, and and you know that, you know, I've been watching this for 30 years on the news. I've known it for a long time. This
2: phrase, pseudo-intellectuals, which I've been using, too, we've all... What's different about this book, what's important to this book, is it reinforces points that you and I and others have been thinking and been making. And he's talking about pseudo events the fabrication of events calling it news pushing it out into the world of reality and so uh i just thought that his description and it's actually more uh uh, comprehensive than that i can only touch on it to some extent here but is so right on when you hear the preening and the sanctimony Of these real lightweights on TV, whether they're hosts, whether they're guests, now they're out, you know, talking about concentration camps and internment camps and trashing people who voted for Trump. It's not even enough anymore to take on Trump, to take on the Republican Party. They want to burn everything down, burn the whole thing down. And then they want you to believe that they're the ones upholding some kind of tradition, some kind of belief system when they reject it all. They reject it. We've been spending a week on this issue, a week on this issue that's been around for 40, 50 years, and they have no solution except open borders. They don't want to say it. And so here we are as a nation focused, uh, uh, discussing endlessly a pseudo-event. All right, Chris, you're a very, very nice man and very, very sharp, too. I appreciate your call out there in California, Northern California. Let us continue. Freddie, Morris, Minnesota, the great WZFG. Go.
7: Well, thanks for taking my call, Mark, and really it is an honor to speak with you. Thank you, sir. What I wanted to say was I've been thinking a lot lately about um, the fairness doctrine. And this was something that was proposed by the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi a few years ago in order to even the playing field between conservative and liberal voices on the media. And it passed, of course, saying, or it did not pass, thank God. But I wonder how things would be in the media if the Fairness Doctrine it did pass and, you know, what, you know.
2: I'll tell you what I would do, I would uh eventually leave radio and go to podcasting solely because they couldn't control you there so that to is do with
7: radio the, the yeah. internet could, could apply to all media and, and you know with,
2: well they've had they 'd have a hell of a fight if somebody has a microphone and they want to broadcast on the internet um, although the, the this control of the internet it's starting to look more and more like red china isn't it and i I have to say and I, as a footnote here, and I want to make this point, and people know where I stand on this. And the president applauded the Supreme Court decision. I find it abhorrent that the Supreme Court issued a decision. Freddie, thank you for your call. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, lurch into this other issue as well. And, well. and we'll talk about, continue to talk about what we've been talking about too. That um, a state can tax an out-of-state business, an out-of-state business transaction in order to tax um, people who do business on the Internet. And I keep hearing that's good. It, uh, it, 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 it evens the playing field because, you know, retail stores, um, they have to pay that sales tax, so why shouldn't people who make sales on the Internet? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they also have shipping costs and insurance costs that most retail stores don't have unless they choose to take their business in that direction. But I don't really care. This is called capitalism. You want to have a retail shop the way my parents did for 20, 25 years? Fine. You want to start a business on the Internet? Fine. These are the rules. This is how it works. I'm getting very, very concerned about conservatives who seem to think, that we should tax the hell out of the guy next to us to make sure we have a level playing field. That's not the answer. The answer is to lower taxes for everybody. Moreover, it amazes me that consumers say, yeah, let's do that when they're the ones who pay. Let me tell you what's going on in this country right now. Now you're going to get mad at me. The price of steel in this country, those tariffs went in place in April, late April. The price of steel in this country has gone up 40%. 40%. On you. On you. That's going to have a ripple effect in this economy. Now they're excited because the Supreme Court ruled that states can tax internet sales. Even if the entrepreneur, small business or big business doing the sale isn't in their state. That states can tax it. States are very excited. They all want money. They have an insatiable appetite for your money. And I hear people. I hear people on TV. Well, this is fair, you see, because it levels the playing field. No, it's not fair. Now that guy on the Internet has to be prepared to handle 45 different states and state laws when it comes to taxes. It's going to blow out a whole bunch of businesses on the internet. We want to create growth. We want to create opportunity. That doesn't do it. Why do we embrace these special interests who demand that the government or the courts step in? It's appalling. Steel, 40% higher. What do you think that's going to do to the cost of trucks in this country? What do you think it's going to do for the cost of refrigerators and washing machines and dishwashers? You think only billionaires use those? Or aluminum, for that matter. You're going to put Americans out of work. You're going to drive up the cost to middle-class families of basic goods. China's different. China's a national security issue. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with the rest of it. 40% increase in steel? When you have a 25% tariff? How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. We're getting ripped off. We're getting ripped off. You buy into these sob stories, whether it's immigration or whether it's tariffs. And the result is more and more government and more and more lawlessness. And less and less freedom and less and less capitalism and competition. And so now the court, whoa, what a great ruling. The court has decided now that states can tax extraterritorially. That's a tax on your head right there. Those of you who like to go on the Internet. We don't exist for retail stores. I grew up in a retail store environment. I used to work in a retail store. You don't exist for retail stores. You don't exist for Internet sales. It is what it is. I'm tired of this. It needs to be fair. Sound like leftists. Well, well, you need to be equal. It's called capitalism. Now, we just had a big increase military spending. The president said he, he signed this massive spending bill, which is going to add a massive amount of money to our debt. Now, that's real news, but the pseudo-news outlets don't report on that. Now, we're going to be buying less tanks, less fighter jets, less bombers, less bombs, because our military uses a lot of steel and a lot of aluminum. So there's consequences for this. And all those men and women who work on assembly lines, and all those men and women who work on our ports, and all those men and women who drive trucks, they're all going to be negatively affected at a 40% increase in steel. Ironically, all those builders out there building office buildings and houses, they're stealing your house. You may not realize that. They're going to drive up the costs. All going to be negatively affected. But don't worry. Now we're going to tax internet sales, and it's fair. seen anything like this. Now, you want to start a business. You don't have a lot of money. You want to start an internet business. This is good. That's America. That's what we do. Now it's, uh, by the way, yeah, You better hire an accountant. Why? Because if you sell throughout the country, you're going to have to file 45 different sales tax returns in 45 different states. Now, tell me. That's not a disincentive. Well, we equaled the playing field. No, you didn't. You burned it up. These clowns on the Supreme Court. Mr. Kennedy. Has no relationship with reality. None. He's never started a business. Retail or internet. I'll be right back.
0: Mark Levin.
2: gentlemen. It's the summer blowout sale for Chamonix right now and right now when you order Genesel you'll get the new Genesel eyelid lift for droopy saggy eyelids for free. I know this stuff works because my buddy Teddy, he can't get enough of it. There is a Teddy and he is my buddy and he's a serious person. He is a am I allowed to say? Cardiologist and not just any cardiologist I mean top of the line guy And for the first time ever, you'll also get the world-famous Crystallis Microderm Abrasion, also free. Yes, the best sale of the year just got better. Now, here's Claire from Raleigh, North Carolina. She wrote, I've been using your products for three days, and my husband already noticed the texture of my skin. It's looking so good. It feels nice and smooth with lots of moisture. The bags under my eyes are minimal now. So far, so good. Now, you can do that too, folks. Plus, with immediate effects included, you'll see results in 12 hours, guaranteed, or your money back. That's pretty damn good. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or visit Genesel.com. Experience the power of looking and feeling your best every morning. And help Chaminade's commitment to battered women's shelters across America, too. Order today and say goodbye to Bags and Puffiness tomorrow. Right now, express shipping is also free. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or visit Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com, 800-SKIN-604. Don't forget, Troopathon.org. Is that it, Mr. Producer? I want to get their website right. Troopathon.org. In about an hour and a half, I will be on the program. It's being webcasted. I hope you'll check in. I hope you'll give them support. Now, what they do is they send care packages overseas to our troops. And you can donate money uh, for one care package or multiple care packages, and they have wonderful, wonderful products in them that our troops really need. You know, people forget that we have these men and women overseas. It really is troubling, you know. With pseudo-events here, uh, we're supposed to be following Stormy Daniels, and then we're supposed to be following this one and that one. You're well aware, I think, at this point, that uh, the cover of Time magazine is absolutely fraudulent. That the, uh, the little child on the cover of Time magazine, uh, in fact, has not been separated from his mother. The mother decided to abscond with the little child, the daughter, out of Honduras uh, without the father's knowledge. There are several uh, siblings with the father back in Honduras. He's not happy about it. Uh, He would like them to come back. Uh, And there's a lot of stories like this that, of course, the media will not tell you. This was in the, uh, what was it, Daily Mail, uh, which, of course, is not the New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, CBS, and all the rest of it. It is a British newspaper. We'll be right back. that the Supreme Court interfere with the market system uh, and turn the tax-free Internet, in terms of sales tax, uh, into just effectively a retail Internet store. We will rule the day. The Commerce Department, under Mr. Protectionist, who's made his billions from protectionism, That story's never been told. Wilbur Ross, Wilbur, is investigating recent steel price hikes to determine whether some market participants are illegitimately profiteering from new tariffs. Profiteering from tariffs. How do you do that? I'll tell you how you do that. Because you put a tax on Americans, American businesses and so forth, who use steel that would come into this country from other countries, domestic steel companies jack up their prices. They jack up their prices for several reasons. Number one, there's greater demand now for domestic steel. That was the intent. Because you have altered the market. You are managing the market. You are poisoning the market system. And so you're jacking up the price. And you create more and more demand for domestic steel. So in addition to the pressures placed on domestic steel because you're putting a tax on any steel that comes into this country, the domestic producers not only increase the price of their steel right under the amount of the tariff amount, but now you've built through market dislocation incentives to purchase domestic steel, and the pressure is on with supply and demand. You've limited the supply. The demand goes up for the domestic steel. You're driving the price up. Now, in the end, you get screwed. In the end, millions and millions of people get screwed. So it's up 40%. Some places it's up 53%. Quote, there's no reason for tariffs to increase the price of steel by far more than the percentage of the tariff. Uh, Is Wilbur Ross, an economic illiterate, I know he knows how to make a billion dollars through subsidies, protectionism, quotas, and all the rest. You can't not micromanage an industry or an economy this way. So he says the price of steel shouldn't go up any more than the price of the tariff. Now, even under those circumstances, that means the price of steel domestically would go up 25%. That is significant. But it's more than that. You're creating a different market. You are changing the market. You're limiting the competition. You're limiting the availability of the product. So there's an upward pressure on the product. And so, of course, the price is going to go beyond the tariff amount that you're applying to incoming steel from other countries. But look how you get screwed, the consumer, because in the end, you pay for everything. In the end, Mr. and Mrs. America, you pay for everything, everything. Look how you get screwed. If foreign steel comes into the country, a 25% tax. Tariff equals tax. Tax is placed on the Americans who buy that steel. You say, all right, I'm not going to pay for that. I'll buy domestic steel. You buy domestic steel. Now the upward pressure is on. You're going to pay 40 to 53% more than you paid six months ago. This eventually is going to cause a recession. May not be this year. May not be next year. I hope it's not in the election year. You're driving up the prices artificially by manipulating the market because your hope is to protect our steel industry. Our steel industry has been protected for 50 years. This has been going on, but not like this. This is a real big push. George W. Bush tried it for 10 months. We lost 200,000 jobs. After the fact, it was calculated we lost 200,000 jobs. The goal is to drive prices down, not to drive prices up. Now, on top of this, we have the Supreme Court, a bunch of economic illiterates there for the most part. And they've ruled that, you know, it's amazing. And our buddy Daniel Horowitz has a great piece about this on conservative review. It's amazing. The the court's position when it comes to federalism versus federal control is so inconsistent. It's irrational, absolutely irrational. Absolutely irrational. So, in this case, it's going to allow states to apply sales taxes to sales that actually occur outside the states because their citizen is inside the state who's the consumer, you. And so, you can expect New York that the sales tax that you pay in retail stores will now be applied to whatever you purchase over the internet on top of the cost of shipping and insurance. And if you're a guy or a gal who's trying to participate in the American dream and you say, you know what? I can't afford to rent a place. I can't afford to build a place. I can't afford to carry inventory. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start on the internet, this magnificent new market that's been put out there, the internet. The government wants control over it. it wants the tax. state, local, fed, they, they see money there, money, money, money. They need more money. And if you want to start now, you now have to meet with a CPA because that CPA is going to tell you you may have to file state sales tax returns in 45 states because the Internet doesn't know any state or any region. When you post something on the Internet, the whole world has access to it. So if you live in, say, Iowa, and you have a little Internet business, maybe you're making $50,000, $100,000. We have a lot of, quite frankly, women, single women, who use it as a second job, as a second source of income. Well, now you're going to be loaded with red tape and paperwork. This is not what we want in this country. Hey, we leveled the playing field. They level the playing field in totalitarian regimes all the time. Do not buy the populist BS. Stop it with the populist BS, which only empowers them. Hey, we're going to teach everybody, We're going to put tariffs on steel, a.k.a. tax you, if you buy steel other than from our steel unions, our steel companies. Well, I don't want to buy that steel. I want to buy somebody else's steel. What, are you an American? Now, what's un-American is playing one citizen off against another. What's un-American is subsidizing some businesses and not other businesses. That's not a level playing field. That's not fair. What's un-American is claiming that, you know what? we got to raise taxes on sales on the Internet because it's not fair to people who have to pay taxes who have retail stores. Excuse me? So now you got to raise taxes on everybody? I have an idea, folks. If that's the way we want to go... We should all be paying the same sales tax that they pay in California. It's through the roof. The same sales tax that they pay in Manhattan. It's only fair, you know. It's only fair. It's destructive on so many levels, and not just economic. Not just economic. We have a diverse society. We have mobility, where you can get off your ass and go somewhere else if you want to. You want states to do the right things. You want them to attract the same the, the, uh, businesses and, and productive individuals. And you need certain types of incentives to do that. You want people starting businesses on the Internet. Because you use the Internet. Internet. If you didn't use the Internet, people wouldn't start businesses on the Internet. It's all about controlling you and me. It's all about controlling Joe Sixpack. It's what it is. In the name of Joe Sixpack, just like the leftist regimes all over the world. In the name of the people, they tax the people. In the name of the people, they drive up the price of goods and services. There's your populism. More pseudo-events. It's ridiculous. I'll be right back. Mark
0: Levin.
2: Don Lemon is a barely watched host on CNN. Now, if there were any other time in America, he would have been yanked a long time ago. Not because of his race, but because of his racism. He's a very nasty and a very stupid man. Not because of his race, just because he's a very nasty and a very stupid man. And he's on with Stephen Colbert. He used to be a C actor on TV. Then he was on Comedy Central. Now he's got his late night joke show as a court jester. He found out that the way to get ratings is to advance the left's agenda as best as he can and to be a stupid funny man. And so now he, like the others on late night, used their shows much like CNN and MSNBC. It's hard to tell the difference. But here's Don Lemon. He's particularly detestable with Stephen Colbert. Cut, 10, go.
5: One of the things that's a recurring sort of distressing uh, data point and theme with this administration is using race as a tool to divide people. Now,
2: here you go. There you go. Using race as a tool to divide people. What exactly has Trump done to use race as a tool to divide people? To say that he wants the DACA kids in their 30s, some of them, 1.8 million of them. Become United States citizens. He went way, way further than Obama ever went. What? What is? Uh, what? How is he uh, using race? Unemployment in this country is at record lows. Among minorities in this country, it's never been lower. Whether African American, Latino, never been lower ever. Obama didn't do that. What exactly is Donald Trump doing that? suggests that he's a racist in any respect. Nothing. Nothing at all. So there you have. Propaganda. Go ahead.
5: I mean, it started off with, you know, they're sending their rapists, the murderers. They're not sending us their best. But Uh, some
2: are rapists and murderers. And by them, he means the cartels. He means the mob organizations. They certainly are. MS 13 These clowns live in bubbles. They live in bubbles. If you are a rocket scientist, if you are an architect, if you are a a surgeon and so forth and so on, you don't come across the border illegally. In most cases, you try to come across legally. You can get a visa and come into the country and work and so forth and so on. What is inaccurate? go ahead
5: both sides there are fine people on both sides in Charlottesville uh, uh what's happening on the southern border now
2: they uh, okay, this guy is basically a parrot. Does anybody think when Donald Trump said there fine people on both sides that he was talking about Klansmen and neo nazis the both sides he was talking about was the issue of whether or not you should tear down historical Statues and markers and so forth, or not, which is a legitimate debate to have. Just like you have a debate over book burning, it is an absolutely legitimate debate to have on what historical markers you take down or don't take down. That's my understanding of what he meant, but you know, we got to have these pseudo events. They've decided that Trump is a racist. That's, you paint him as a racist, and then you've got you to do what you've got to do to demonstrate it. Go ahead.
5: Certainly a racial component to it. Um, how, what do you think the state of race relations are in the United States, and how are you as an Now listen to this
2: idiot. He just condemns the president as if he's Nancy Pelosi. And then he asked Don Lemon what he thinks. He knows what Don Lemon thinks. This is, this is the game. This is exactly what Professor Daniel Borston was talking about, the image, the pseudo-events, the pseudo-arguments.
5: Go ahead. How does it affect your reporting of that? You have hit on probably the most important story of our time, especially when it comes to this administration. So what what do, I, Don, <laughs> it's what I do, so Don. It's what I do. I think it has, it has everything to do with race. And we were, we were told or they would, ha- people would have people. What has
2: everything to do with race? What has everything to do with race? What are you talking about? Upholding our immigration laws has to do with race? So I guess Barack Obama was a racist. He didn't propose 1.8 million illegal aliens in this country should get a pathway to citizenship. Obama did. So Barack Obama's obviously a racist, right? Don Lemon, right? Stephen Colbert. Two of the three Stooges. Go ahead.
5: Believe that this was about economic anxiety. Every single study and survey shows that this was about um, people who were losing power, losing influence. It was about race. People were concerned about people
2: about losing power and influence. I don't think Don Lemon understands that this is a country, and we have what's called citizens, and citizens are not supposed to lose power and influence. Whatever the race, religion, ethnic background, economic condition of the citizen, the citizen is the power. It's called a republic. It's called voting. It's called having representatives. Losing power and influence. The citizens are not supposed to lose power and influence to foreigners, to illegal aliens, you see, Don, you're the racist. Plus, you don't even understand how it's supposed to work because you don't care. Why? You're a radical leftist and you're in the pseudo news business. Go ahead.
5: Not having the same level of influence as they had, and they were concerned about That's losing their privilege. Losing their privilege. We are so,
2: to- the citizens are losing their privilege? Citizens don't have a privilege. We are this country. Oh, they must be talking about white privilege, you see. White privilege. Who are the racists again? I love it. It's like the football players taking a knee. This is Steve Colbert taking a knee. The guy's worth tens of millions of dollars. He's as privileged as they get. It's not like he says, you know, I'll do this show once a year, and then I'll, I'll give up the seat to people of... Uh, minorities and gay people. He doesn't do that. He's a person of privilege. He's very wealthy. He's a white man. And then he talks about people of privilege or Don Lemon, as dumb as they get, is a host on CNN making a fortune, despite the fact he's as dumb as they get. Listening to people of privilege talk about people of privilege causes you to gag. I'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Denali, the Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811.
2: What do you think uh, the American revolutionaries would have said if uh, the governor of their particular state colony had said, I'm going to impose a 25% tariff on goods shipped into our colony from overseas. Now keep in mind, these are the people who revolted against the Stamp Act. What do you think they would say if they were here today and the argument was made, look, look, we want to raise taxes, the states, we want to raise taxes on sales on the internet, sales taxes, even though those taxes even though that sale didn't actually occur in our state, the company is not in our state, but the, the purchasers in our state, we're going to tax that transaction across co- uh, um, the boundaries of the colony. What, what, do, what do you think the revolutionaries would say? Oh, that's good. We've leveled the playing field. I mean, we have gone so far. Even many pseudo-conservatives, we'll use the word pseudo, who buy into this stuff the protectionist stuff and so on. You think about our revolutionaries. You think about Sam Adams and John Hancock. Think about them, what they would say. They would say, stop with your cockamamie government intervention and government justification. What's mine is mine, and I'll do with it as I choose, and keep your damn hands off of it. That's what they would say. Just trying to level a playing field. Don't worry about it. I'll level a playing field. I'll decide what I buy and from whom I buy it. I don't exist to protect the guy down the street. And he doesn't exist to protect me and my business. I'll sell candles any way I want to and I'll sell them to whomever I want to. I will sell buggies and horses to whomever I want to. If I can't sell over there, I'll sell over here, I'll sell over here. We don't need anybody, government, telling us how much we're going to pay and in order to protect us, they're going to drive up our costs by 25%, which turns out to be 40 to 53%. And if you buy it over here, and you're taxed, and you choose to buy it over here where you're not taxed, we're going to have a level playing field. We're going to tax you in both cases. No, 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 no. What do you think about a revolutionary that had a small business and was told, now you got to fill out sales taxes for every single colony? Say What? What? We have conservatives in this country who think this is a grand idea. All of it. We've lost our way. No, it's not. It's not a grand idea at all. They're stupid ideas that empower government at every level and take money out of your pocket and are going to put your fellow Americans out of work and cause a recession one day. It's just going to happen. The laws of economics are what they are. It's not even my opinion. It's a fact. How many of you have an additional $5,000 sitting around? Anybody? I didn't think so, but you may well need it if your HVAC system burns out because you were not on top of, the, uh, of your filters and you didn't change your filter. I know you think I'm being a little melodramatic, but if you saw how bad this allergy season has been, all that junk which doesn't wind up in your lungs, it goes somewhere, it goes into your home's HVAC filters. Plus, it's getting hot outside. In fact, it is hot outside, and your system's working harder, isn't it? Spend 15 or 20 bucks, save your lungs, save your HVAC system, with fresh filters from my friends at Filter Buy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. You know, they carry over 600 sizes, and if you want to customize your side or size or you need to of your filter, they can do that for you, too. Plus, they ship for free within 24 hours. And if that isn't enough, they're manufactured right here in America. So really, there's no reason not to do it. Set up our auto delivery like we have in our household. It just makes life easier. It's on a schedule. The filters come, and you're reminded. Let me get the old crap out and put the new stuff in. And by the way, if you do that, even though the work is on them and they manage the schedule, you'll save 5%. Additionally, you'll extend the life of your HVAC system. Like I say, it's getting hotter outside. The last thing you need is a busted HVAC system on top of the allergies. I see these trucks all over my neighborhood. Save time, save money, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. Now, I know I do. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com, and tell them Mark sent you. Okay, you know, there's so much audio I have. I'm not playing any more audio. I'm sick of these leftists. This idiot Joe Scarborough. You know what? Shut up, Joe. You and your bulbous nose and your beady eyes. Uh, Let us go to Rudy, Tyler, Texas, the great KTBB. How are you?
8: Yes, sir. Uh, I want to say what an honor it is to talk to you. I listen to you all the time. Uh, I wanted to comment on journalism, uh, pseudo-journalism. Um, I'm a retired journalist, um, and uh, it is deplorable what journalists have uh, sunken our art into. I graduated from the University of Texas, uh, and one of my heroes was uh, Walter Clonkite, who anguished over sitting 23 minutes of what the American people needed to know and today to watch this it's sickening it's deplorable i hate to see what it has become mm-hmm. and texas as you know has been uh uh democratic for years and years and years and back when i was in office and in, in service uh They put a lot of effort into good people trying to do good things for good people, but the Democratic Party has left them all behind. They've moved into this squalid, and it's uh, it's sickening, really. And you're dead center right about uh, what media has become. I generally don't even uh, discuss my journalism background with people.
2: Well, you can, because you were and are a professional, my friend. And I want to thank you for sharing that with us very, very much. Chris, Bellport, New York, the great WABC. Go.
9: Hey, Mark, I'm a little nervous, so please bear with me. Um, it's an honor to speak to you. Thank you. And I want to quickly why, say Why is
2: it it's an honor for everybody to speak to me? Isn't that nice? I appreciate that. Go right ahead.
9: Sure. Um, I quickly wanted to say that it's hard to beat the left. We control the presidency, the House, the Senate, and even the Supreme Court. But they control the media, and they repeatedly lie so that's how they get their message out there. So even with the complete control of all the branches of government, it still seems like we're in the back seat, you know? But what I really wanted to say is that, you know, I'm forced to... Can, can I tell you why? Sure.
2: They control, fundamentally, the government. Even when we take the House and the Senate and the presidency, fundamentally, they control the government. There are permanent parts of the government. People have awaken to this. They call it the swamp, but it's this massive administrative state. They control it. That's the way it is. And until we cut down the size of government, limit the power of government, push power back out to the states and the people, uh, it's going to continue to be that way. Anyway, go ahead, Chris.
9: Well, I'm 42. I'm married, and I have three young kids. Um, I work two jobs so my wife can stay home and raise our kids. Uh, Money's tight, so my wife had to have a small Internet business. She sells the silliest things, old nail polish, photo frames, books. Sometimes you would see at yard sales. Mm-hmm. Um, she pays for the shipping, so she makes little money, and I'm constantly running back to the FedEx store. Now, she uses this little bit of money for her right now. She's saving for a rag doll cat, or she'll save for buy stuff for the kids or for a vacation. But if this comes to fruition, like you're saying, even her small business is going to be out of business.
2: And, Chris, let me ask him: when she puts things for sale on the Internet, people can buy it from anywhere, right?
9: Any state, yes. And, I, just and it, I just have to go to FedEx. She pays for it.
2: But let me say this. Imagine all the little business people like your, your wife struggling like this. You just said that you ship through FedEx, correct? Yes. What do you think is going to happen to FedEx or UPS? I mean, this has, this has a, 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 an effect across the board when you start messing around like this.
9: You're right. They never consider the trickle-down effect in the opposite direction. My other business is my family. We own a nursery school on Long Island. Mm -hmm. So we've been in business since 1959. And recently, with Andrew Cuomo's minimum state, 15%, $15 an hour wage increase, it it hurts our customers because they think we're rich, Mm -hmm. these small business owners, but we pay $15,000 Let let me
2: tell you, I go into a restaurant sometimes, and now and then we're with friends. And I had one friend... They looked at the menu, and there was a New York Strip steak, and it was thirty-six bucks. And this person said to me, "I can buy that in the store for nine bucks." I said, "Really? You're not paying for this facility. You're not paying for the help. You're not paying uh, uh, the rent." You're not having to deal with the health inspectors. You're not having to deal with all the regulations. You're not having to hire a CPA. You're not having to pay the utility bills. You're not having to pay this, that. that. Why the hell do you think the stake is 36 bucks?
9: Another thing, too, is by forcing us to pay all of our teachers at $15 an hour, even the bad ones, not bad, but not so good ones, yes. are going to make the same as the good ones, and it's going to be hard to give the good ones a raise, because everyone has to get the raise now.
2: And all this is done in the name of the people. Taxes on the Internet, the so-called minimum wage at 15 bucks, tariffs, which are taxes on the consumer, and it's squeezing us, squeezing us, squeezing us, and more and more people will realize, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Chris, thanks for your call, buddy. I appreciate it. Do I have time for another one or not? Apparently not. Okay. Bet you'll never guess my favorite place to sit. In my car? No. On my sofa? No. On my X chair? And my X-Chair is right here, sitting on it now, at my desk in the bunker. The X from X-Chair is not only the most modern and stylish piece of furniture in the bunker, it is luxuriously comfortable, and I mean it. It molds itself to my body, giving me ideal posture. You don't even hear me talking about my back anymore, which in turn gives me more energy, better concentration, more productivity than I ever thought possible. Don't waste another day sitting in one of those generic chairs. You may have got it from an office store, or a warehouse store, whatever. Stop it. Get the X chair. You'll feel the difference. I promise. In fact, if you own a small business, get them for the entire office. See how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they'll become as, as a result. Now, here's a special deal just for you, my beloved listeners. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com. Go there right now and you'll get a hundred bucks off, a hundred dollars off. That's xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, or give them a call one 844 4 Very simple one 844 4 Now, X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. No risk at all. And trust me, you're going to have complete satisfaction. I love this chair. Go to xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com. Go now. And by the way, if you use code LEVINFOOTREST, you'll get a free footrest, which I'm using right now as well. That's xchairlevin.com. Use code Levin. Foot rest and get your free footrest. Check them out. I know you're going to love it. We'll be right back.
0: love in
6: Don't
2: forget, after this program, I will be on Troopathon, at Troopathon, on their event. It's very, very important. Troopathon.org. Please check it out. They only have about an hour or so left on the program there, Troopathon.org. Quickly, Fred, Minneapolis, Minnesota, on the Mark Levin app. Go ahead.
1: Hey, Mark, thanks for all you do. Uh, I just wanted to show the opportunity that that, uh, the professor's book points out the clear difference, black and white, between progressive and conservative. A conservative sees all that powerful information in that book, and we'll see it as a warning, as a red line, something to avoid. But a progressive sees it as a manual, a manifest on how to get where they want to go.
2: Well, you're probably right, aren't you?
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, no, very good point. Thank you, my friend. That's. We only have 20 seconds? All right. May I suggest you don't need to get it, but you might want to get it. This book, The Image, A Guide to Pseudo-Events in America by Daniel J. Borston. I don't even know how many copies they have left. I got mine on Amazon before they were taxing the hell out of us. So you may want to move on it now. All right, every Friday, in your honor, So here we go. Begins right now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffy. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Get Al Qaeda. Get Taliban. Get ISIS. Get all those bastards. Please, Troopathon.org. I'll be there in about thirty minutes. Don't forget Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. You're gonna love this one. Have a great weekend.